0: Well, good morning, ladies. Um, good morning. <laughs> um, I'm excited about this message. I'm, I, I don't necessarily relish being in front of a group. Some of you guys know me, and I'm not a very outgoing person. But what I do relish is us being able to think about the mercy of God together today and, and how good the Lord is to us. And it's been a pleasure, as I've been studying, just to really think about um, God's mercy Um, So before I start, I would like to pray um, one more time, and then I'll get started. Okay, if you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, this time for us to meet together and to reflect on your mercy. Lord, you've shown mercy to each one of us here in this room. You're a good God, Lord, and your word... Pour us forth just praise for who you are. I pray that you would help us to think on these things today and that the result would be even more praise being offered up to you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to be taking these on and off. I need them to read but not to see you. <laughs> um, okay. So first... Um, our topic for today is the character of God and why the love of God compels our hands and feet to move toward the hurting. And we're going to see um, in, our, in, in this time how mercy is synonymous with the very name of God. And we're going to go over examples of God's mercy toward the hurting and how the spiritual gift of mercy compels us to do the very same thing. So first, um, I wanted to go over some different definitions of mercy um, that come directly from the dictionary. Um, So the the dictionary um, defines mercy as compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person, compassion, pity, and benevolence. Um, the second definition is the disposition to be compassionate or forbearing. The discretionary power of a judge to pardon someone or to mitigate punishment, like instead of maybe giving the, the death penalty, sending the person to prison instead and kind of lessening the sentence. Um, or an act of kindness, compassion, or favor. Um, in the Bible, often we see the word um, mercy and the, the word there that's used in the, in the Bible is elion and elion means pity, mercy or compassion and I just wanted to point out that um, in a sermon that I heard by John MacArthur he points to the fact that mercy has to deal with misery or, or um, someone going through a difficult time or in a state um, in which one cannot help oneself it's situational in a person's life and um, so first, I want to start off with just the fact that mercy is an attribute of, of God. And if you all remember from Exodus chapter 34, um, when God proclaimed his name to Moses, there's this time when Moses said, you know, God, I want to see your glory. And, you know, God told him, you, you, can't, you can't see me, Moses, or you'll be dead. So, but what I'll do is I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass by, and I'll proclaim my name. And in that passage, when God passed by, he said, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing, violation of his law and sin. And then it goes on and says that he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And then it goes on from there. But you'll notice that in there he says that he is merciful. And the word there for compassion is rahum, which means full of compassion. So he's just not, oh, I have love. It's that it's like he is full of compassion. Um, so first I wanted to look at God the Father um, and how he is indeed merciful. When we look at Psalm 145, verse 8 through 10, um, it says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, that he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And again, the word there for mercy is rachum. It's that full of mercy um, that he says. As an example of his mercy, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, God shows us mercy before our salvation in Christ. And I remember um, last time when, when some of us were together, and Hong Fine um, was giving an example of um, of faith, um, but Diane pres- presented faith as a gift, and then Hong was um, called up to give a testimony. And within her testimony, she was talking about the mercy of God and how He saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. And that's what's pointed out in Ephesians chapter two. So, Ephesians chapter two, verse four tells us that God showed mercy to us in saving us through Christ, moving toward us, rich in mercy. And the word rich there is abounding. So it's abounding in mercy. So again, God is not just merciful. He is abounding in mercy. (laughs) Psalm 145, verse 14 says, The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Meaning that the Lord supports those who are downcast and comforts the downtrodden, the humiliated, and the distressed. And I don't remember who it was. I think it, it was. It could have been Pastor Gabe. It may, it may have been Pastor Leek, I don't remember. But one of them was explaining what downcast means. And I never knew this when they said it. I was like, oh, wow. And some of you guys might remember that it was described as, as a, it's like a shepherding term, that a downcast sheep is one that's on its back with its feet up in the air. And poor sheep, they, they don't. We're often called sheep, and now I understand why God calls us sheep. But... The poor sheep is on its back with its feet up in the air and apparently it will die like that if the shepherd doesn't come along and pick it up and set it back up on its feet. It's helpless. And so when we're helpless, God reaches out toward us in mercy and picks us back up. Um, It's just a very beautiful picture of our Lord. Psalm 34 verse 18 tells us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and that he saves those who are crushed in spirit. It means that he is at hand or close by to those who are suffering. And then in Genesis chapter 16, verse 19, um, I was reading this recently. Um, it said that the Lord showed compassion to Lot when he hesitated. You know, God told him through the angels, this place this this place is toast. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm destroying Sodom. It's a mess. Um, but I'm going to save you and I'm going to save your household. And it says that Lot actually hesitated leave. And so it says God, in his mercy, (laughs) reached out with his angels. His angels grabbed Lot and grabbed his kids, grabbed his wife, and brought them out of the city. So that was God's mercy. He could have said, you know what, Lot? You're hesitating. I gave you a chance. You didn't do it. Toast. But God didn't do that. He brought them out and rescued them. And then finally, God showed mercy, well not finally, because God is merciful in many ways, but final example, Um, is that God showed compassion to Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias, allowing her to bear John in her old age, and um, within that culture, it was almost shameful if you couldn't have children, and here she is in her old age, and she hadn't had a child, so God showed mercy to Elizabeth and allowing her to bear John. And John, we know, was greatly used by God to point to Christ. Um, So she didn't just, you know, have a baby. God really used that child. And then Mary, also, in her song to the Lord, when she was expecting Jesus, said, um, um, sorry, Luke chapter 1, verse 50, And his mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. There's that word again, Elios, mercy, compassion. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So we see that God the Father is compassionate. And now we're going to move on and we're going to look at God the Son, Jesus Christ. Um, so here are a few examples of how Jesus showed mercy while he walked on the earth. First we're going to look at the man with leprosy and what Jesus did. So it says in Mark chapter 40, sorry, chapter one, verse 40 through 41 And a man with leprosy came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling down, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out with his hand and touched him, and said to him, "I am willing. Be cleansed." And we know people—you didn't—you didn't touch people with leprosy. You know they had to walk everywhere, unclean, unclean. Stay away from me. It was very lonely. It was very scary, and you know it was revolting to, in the eyes of those you know, who would have seen Jesus at first reach out and touch him. You know, what are you doing? You know, but Jesus did that. And he actually warned the man, you know, don't go around spreading this. And the man disobeyed. Um, And he went around and he spread it everywhere. Look what Jesus has done. Look what God has done. God has done this. And it gave glory to God. And that's what God's mercy does, is that it gives glory to God. Um, Okay, and then there was the man who was born blind. Um, we're going to be paying attention to how, again, how God's mercy gives him glory. Um, But the man who was born blind, in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7, and then 24 to the end, I'm not going to read that whole passage, um, but it says that there's a man who was there, who was blind, and people were, you know, kind of, showing him to Jesus. You know, there's this man, is it is it his fault? Is it his sin that caused his blindness? Was it his parents' fault that caused his blindness? And Jesus specifically said, "No, it was not not either of those things. It's that God's glory might be shown." And so, it says that God healed the man. And then as we kind of look through that account again, which I'm not going to read cuz it's very long, but Pharisees wanted to know, you know, who did this? Who saved you? How did it happen? You know, we know that this man, this Jesus over here, is a, you know, he's, he's a sinner. He's not, you know, how did he do this? And, you know, Jesus, like, I mean, the man realized and recognized that this man was from God. Um, and he was, you know, kind of honoring Jesus. And the man got cast out at the synagogue. They're like, you go away. Um, you know, you can't be here anymore because you're giving honor to this Jesus. But it says... Um, down here in the passage, in verse 35 of chapter 9, it says, Jesus heard that they put him out of the synagogue, and upon finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered by saying, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, I believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. So again, we see that God's mercy points to who he is. People recognize that God is worthy of worship, and they lift him up in praise and in worship. Jesus also reached out um, to a widow in the city of Nain. I'm going to read this. It says in chapter 7 of Luke 11 through 17, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, A dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and said to her, Do not go on weeping. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has appeared among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through Judea and in all the surrounding region. So again, we see that the people recognized that this was of God. I mean, there's a dead man who sat up, and they gave glory to God. They said, God has visited his people. And they knew that God had done a great thing. And for the widow, you know, it says that that Jesus didn't just, you know, he wasn't just compassionate, that he didn't just, you know, feel some pain for her. But the word there for compassion is spagnizomai, which means move to the very bowels, very deeply felt. So when Jesus feels for us with compassion, and when he felt for it here, um, with this widow, he felt it physically. It wasn't just over here somewhere, he felt it very deeply. And that is how our God encounters us. He doesn't just see us, he really loves us, and he really feels feels for us. Um, and then, another example is the man with the withered hand. And we see Jesus' reaction in this, um, in this example, not just that he loved the man and cared about this man, but also that he was grieved by the Pharisees who had no compassion. So in Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 there is this man who came in with a withered hand and the Pharisees were sitting there and they probably looked at this man and they saw the man coming and they looked at the man and they looked at Jesus and they're like, "Mm "Hmm, we wonder what Jesus is going to do. It's the Sabbath, this lawbreaker. What is he going to do? And Jesus, of course, was who he is. So it says that the man entered a synagogue and a man was, sorry, Jesus entered a synagogue again and a man was there whose hand was withered and they, the Pharisees, were watching him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand get up and come forward and he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So we need to remember that to God, mercy is very important. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, so they, for they shall obtain mercy. Here the Pharisees obtained Christ's anger because they weren't merciful. So those are just examples of our God and how our God is merciful toward us. And now I just want to focus on mercy in the body of Christ because we've we've spoken about God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit has given us the gift of mercy within the church. So the Lord uses our different person. The
1: whole point is that it's all about God, and all the glory goes to Him, and we're just His hands and feet, and we are just walking um, in a way that we can encourage and love on one another in a practical, tangible way. Um, and Marco, you did a really good job describing mercy when you said um, that it's... Is it's extended towards those who are in a state of misery Um, I would say even anybody that's in a state of any kind of need it doesn't have to be extreme Um, but there's this compulsion to ease their difficulties um, even if it's just loneliness or or something like that so I'm going to give you a verse I just love this verse this is one of my uh, foundational verses for my walk in the Lord Ephesians 2.10 (laughs) <laughs> it says, God has prepared good works in advance for us to walk in them. And no matter where I go or what I'm doing, I know that God has a good work for me. So like, when I go to the grocery store, you know, I mean, just you know there's people there. Um, I used to run into this lady all the time at the grocery store from our church back in the previous church we would spend 30 40 minutes ministering in the aisle at the grocery store but she just had a lot of things going on in her life and that's just where I ran into her all the time and that happened to be so um it just happened to be a time when I could listen and um and she just, that just was what she needed. She didn't need more than that. She just needed someone to listen at that time. Um, so I'm going to give you, since I've been here at Hope, I'm going to bring in some other people because God doesn't just use one person. He just, like, pulls them all together. So, you know Mildred. <laughs> who says amen during church and hallelujah that's her um so we're in a Thursday night fellowship group together and she discovered a man that lives down the hallway from her Mr. Kim and he was taking care of his wife who had had two strokes and they're an elderly couple and um she had Alzheimer's on top of that. I can't remember she had more going on too Deaf or blind one of the two. She just had so much going on and they were gonna they were being um, not passing inspection for their apartment there in the building and Millie found out about it contacted Margot. Margot started looking for people that we could maybe go help this man. so she called me up and then Millie and I went over to his apartment and spent. Four hours cleaning his kitchen, and just removing the buildup, and just trying to make it so that if someone came in and was going to inspect, that it would be, you know, it would take care of things. We weren't able to do everything that day, um, so I can't, i told him I said I'd be in touch, and he was so overwhelmed with gratefulness, he couldn't understand how perfect strangers would do this for him. Um, the next day, I contacted the building manager to find out what Mr. Kim needed to do to pass inspection, so I set up an appointment and then Wanju, is Wanju here? No, I don't think so. Wanju came with me and we met with the manager, and we went up to Mr. Kim's apartment, and he showed Mr. Kim everything he had to do. And then I was, and I set a time for a couple days later, then Wanju and my husband and I were going to come and help him finish cleaning so that he could pass inspection the following week so they wouldn't be evicted. <coughs> so we did that. But um, he just, and then one Jew, so sweet because she could translate so she um was able to share the gospel he had a couple of bibles on his shelf with other religious books too he had a whole slew of things but um she was able to share the gospel and he's still in touch he's still in touch and he's it's just it's the hands of god Loving, loving people—it's all it is. Um, Do you want me to end? I don't want to take up too much time. I have more I could (laughs) give. All right. Um, I also wanted to say that it's sometimes gotten me in trouble because I see someone in need and I just want to. just take over and solve their problems and I want to just carry everything that they have and some you can't you know God doesn't want you to do that he maybe wants you to pray or he maybe just wants you to just encourage that person in their growth but it's really easy to just want to take over because it's painful it's really painful to see someone suffering Um, so Elsie asked me if I wanted to be part of the um, retreat committee, planning committee. And I was just like, oh, our women need this. I said, yes. And so I went to the first meeting and freaked out completely because I am not gifted in organization. And I just started getting really overwhelmed. And I was like whoo and so I called her and the next day I said sweetie I gotta back out I can't do this I can't do this um I can help if you like I can't organize it but if you have something that needs doing like I'll help but I just can't be in charge of organizing this and everybody's going to be very thankful that I backed out (laughs) um anyway I'm gonna uh step down so that is Teresa ready
0: um yeah i'm hoping so <laughs> <laughs> We're see all right i do have
1: another example <laughs> if she's not okay well, okay so i have um i know you guys maybe some of you know me some of you don't so we have seven children six daughters and then a son so all my girls are in their 20s um and it's really easy for them um they're they're all over the place and they're It's hard to connect in a church. You start going to church, you're alone. You're not part of a family. You don't know anybody. um, And there's cliques in place. Or it's hard for people, families, to invite you into their inner sanctum or whatever. Um, So I have a really heavy burden at this time for young women who are in that position where they... They're coming to church. They love the Lord. They're kind of, they want to serve. They want to minister. But how do they plug in? And my heart just goes out to them. I've been trying to meet one-on-one with many of them. And um, then I enlisted. Hong and I were talking about it. And um, Margo and then Gwen Waller. And we just put our heads together and we're trying to meet with these ladies once a month. We're trying to build community and just encourage them also to minister in the body. So These are just the ways that God has, um, I think, just pushed my own heart. And I think all of us, you look around and you see a need, well, do something about it. Go over there, say hello. You see someone you've never met before, go say hello. Introduce yourself. And it's uncomfortable. Sure, it's uncomfortable. But you know what? You are blessing them so much just by um, showing that you notice them even or that you care about them. So, I'm going to be quiet now.
0: Thank you. you This is my daughter, Teresa, who is a missionary in Togo, and will be explaining, I guess, how the love of Christ works through her and the other missionary team, workers who are there, and how... God again is
2: glorified to have this
0: Wednesday breakfast and teaching time. Mm-hmm. And asked me if I could share a little
2: bit about um, the ministry here and how Axel we Lucy are tied to sharing the gospel. And so I, as so I was thinking about it, um, and as was shared, already the two can't be separated because it's through see that the heart of the Lord is shown and His heart know Him, and that is the whole goal of mercy, um, that those who receive the, the act of mercy will be able to see God's heart and His character and His love and know Him through it. Um, I'll share one example at least, and um, that comes from this past year um, when I got to go with my friend Sakina and our son Ahad to the States at the end of September and into October and some of you were praying for this little one Ahad who had a heart condition um, which led us to the States to see if he could benefit from a heart surgery and he ended up not being able to undergo the operation for a number of reasons um, and then ended up passing away. Um, and I really appreciate your prayers through that whole process but there is one point in which um, Ahad had been debated at that point and um, we were really unsure about his future, um, hope wise and I remember looking at Sakina and telling her, you know Sakina, this is why the hope of Jesus is so important because we can do all that we can um, Ahad had basically every opportunity for healing um in terms of what we could do humanly speaking we brought him out of his home country where heart surgery wasn't possible and um the lord led us to the states where it was potentially possible um but it still it still wasn't enough um his heart was still feeling and ultimately even if he had gotten the surgery um all of our bodies feel one day which is why the hope of eternity is so important and so when I was talking with Sukina, I was sharing this is why Christ died he came to die and to rise again um in our place and to remove the consequences of our sin and that's not something that he had to do um but he he did it out of compassion and mercy So that if we hope in him, um, we can have eternal life, and that goes far beyond um, this current life. And also beyond that, um, I was sharing with Sakina, and it remains my prayer for her and her family that in the midst of coming to know Christ, they would see God as a compassionate father and really see his heart, because they come from a Muslim background, and often they can say, Oh yes! whatever the Lord's will, we'll, we'll accept it. Um, it was our, for our son, it was God's will that he died. And it's true, is ultimately outside of God's will, but that doesn't mean that the Lord is cold and distant and apart, but he is present and he cares and he Grieves when he sees the, the suffering of this world. Um, and when Jesus walked this earth, he was able to experience that firsthand, and so when the Bible says that Jesus is praying for us um, as a great high priest he understands in a personal and a real way and not just knowing it um, in his mind in kind of a removed sense but in a very present way which is amazing to me and it's a huge gift that I don't I fully be able to comprehend and so in that situation with my friend Sakina and her family and in accompanying them to the states and um seeking god's um will and trying to provide in every opportunity and possibility for his physical care um the prayer is that they would be able to see the the mercy in the heart of the father and so
0: we provide physically
2: um as best we can but also that's where the truth needs to be shared um because if you show acts of kindness without sharing the truth at the end of the day the end of their lives um eternity, and without the hope of Christ, life is empty, um, even with the best possible chances of uh, a healthy physical life. I'll share one scripture passage, um, and I won't spend too much time on it, because so much of its truth is already shared, but um, in Mark chapter 6, when... Jesus has compassion for the crowds and starts healing their sick. Um, The same word is used as when we already shared, which references being moved to the bowels, and Jesus heals their physical wounds, but then after that, there's opportunities for teaching um, as he talks with his disciples, and even in that moment, um, the scripture shares that Jesus saw the crowds as um, sheep being scattered, um, having no shepherd, and so as I think about the heart of Christ for the hurting and for the lost, it's so beautiful to see his heart for their physical needs and wanting to heal, heal them, but then also seeing their need to know him. And um, John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And so um, that's, that's the hope that we have, right? Having eternal life, having um, a relationship with the Lord, and getting to be in reality one day in which there is no more sin and suffering, but also to know the Lord, um, someone who's a compassionate Father that we can run to and find rest in, um, both in the midst of our sufferings, but also rest from um, trying to please God on our own because we'll never be able to do that. So as we're here trying to provide physical care at the Hospital of Hope and um, and relieve some of the hurting and suffering. We don't do that perfectly. Um, we're also trying to um, share the hope that we have in Christ so that one day people will be able to know the Father. And so that's what we seek for and that's what we pray for. And I know for me I don't do that. Or, well, even, um, I can think of many instances this past week in which I wanted to be suffering and was focused on physical care and missed opportunities to share the hope that I have for Christ. And again, that's that's not the reason why I'm here. I'm not here solely to try to treat sicknesses um, with God's help but um, ultimately we're here to, help, to point people to Christ because in the end that's really what's going to matter and last and that's how god provides opportunities for them to see his heart um which provides true healing and life and joy so praise you all i'm praying for you um thank you so much for listening enjoy the rest of your time together bye